0: What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers, You listen to the Pace
1: Rules podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. Coming to you about two weeks, one one and a half weeks out from draft lottery day, which is Christmas for us right now, because we have no team in the NBA playoffs. I tell you, who else doesn't have a team in the NBA playoffs? a Sabonis, where we're going to talk about him in this episode as well. And i tell you who else doesn't have a team in the playoffs, Dylan Brooks. We're going to talk about him as well. Justin, you've rejoined the show after a bit of a break. Um, you were uh, you were touched by the, uh, the spicy cough, but you're better now, or on the mend at least. Uh, you've been watching the NBA playoffs, so just get your thoughts off the top. Who's in the box seat to win it all right now?
0: Yeah, it's been really interesting the playoffs. Like, obviously, with uh, Milwaukee getting bounced as a number one seed, and Jimmy Butler going on a tear, and you know, you got Lakers upsetting Memphis, and now they're in a you know one all battle with Golden State Warriors. So, I think these playoffs are awesome because I, I don't know who's going to win it. We've kind of spoke about that all season, haven't we, guys? Where you know everyone's tip to win was you know your best guess at any point of the season. Um, now Milwaukee was probably everyone's favorite. They've got bounce. So um, Denver look really good, but I just don't know if they can actually win it all. Um, Boston even look a bit shaky. I know Philly would definitely take being one all, going back to Philadelphia with a healthier Embiid. So I don't know if you want my tip. um, Geez, I actually, I I do not know. Like I'll just say Boston, but they don't look like they're going to win it all. So I don't know why I said that.
1: They look great. And I think there's something about a side that's previously won a championship that gives you a little bit more comfort that they can do it again. So going to the playoffs, I thought, oh, Milwaukee could win it. Uh, LA could come from the clouds. Golden State's obviously always dangerous. But no one's looked like they're taking control of this playoffs. There's still so much water under the bridge to come. But I've got to say... I've always been a huge Denver fan, and I'd love to see them win. In another sort of small market team, and and going up two zip on this Suns team, they've probably caught the Suns at the right time. The question is, can they get past Golden State or LA? Because I feel like whoever comes out of the West is is probably going to end up winning it, um, because Boston doesn't look great, Philly doesn't look great, and that Miami New York series, that is that's just bizarro land. Alex, who's your tip right now?
2: Um. Jeez, I don't know. It is tough. I think, uh, look, I'll go Denver just because it's a small market team. We got a somewhat root for him. Yep. But can I just add as well, this might be the most toxic start we've had to a podcast since the freaking <laughs> Rubio days, boys. Since I was roasting Rubio it's gonna get worse. every second. Oh, it's going to get
1: so much worse. Uh, right, let's get to it. The Kings are eliminated. You cannot win a championship with Demata Sabonis as your second best player. We made the right decision. Uh, I am vindicated with everything I've said for the past three years about Sabonis. Uh, he looked like a chump against Kevon Looney. And he's he's great for 82 games. And then you've got to play defense and you've got to be able to protect the rim. And you can't play a rim protector beside Domas because we tried for five years and we couldn't. And you, you don't have anyone out there to protect the rim. I mean Justin I'm I'm kind of feeling pretty good about the trade obviously I was I've always been feeling really good about the trade I loved it when it happened I love it even more now but um is is everyone who thought we should trade Domas vindicated by the fact that King Kings got bounced in the first round
0: Well yes and no I, like I I I didn't like all the hot takes when Sacramento made the playoffs saying oh well Kings King's obviously won the trade with the Pacers. It's got yeah. nothing to do with that trade. Like, you know, Pacers are at such a different point in their franchise than Sacramento were. So that was just stupid seeing all the, just some national media saying that. And again, like, I don't think the Pacers won the trade now because, you know, Sabonis got bounced in the first round. I
1: do. We did. We won it. <laughs>
2: yeah. To be fair um, though, you thought that when the trade happened though, like it's true. I think what Justin's saying is that 35, the first round result after. didn't, yeah. change the discourse in any way yep. exactly right and
0: you know Sabonis, yeah Kevon Looney outplayed him for sure, he wasn't going up against an Embiid, a Giannis or a Jokic so that would be concerning for Kings fans in the future um, obviously Darren Fox was a bit hurt you know with his finger and things like that but um, I just feel like it was unlucky for Sacramento, I'll try and back him up a bit like you do not want to face Golden Played State with- cop. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying to be good cop. Like you going against Steph Curry in round 1, like that's like being 8 seed. Like game 7, you got Steph Curry dropping 50 playoff all-time high, like I don't know. I, I just kind of feel bad for him as well. But yeah, everything is said Adam is right about Sabonis and that's what Kevin Pritchard alluded to, like not long ago in a press conference. He said, you know, we don't have a superstar and Sabonis yep. got um offended by that, but it is true. Sabonis he's not your superstar type player who's going to get you to a conference conference finals well
1: when when the game gets slow and tough and defensive he's not a guy who's going to contribute you know great offensive or defensive outputs we haven't seen that ever from domas Alex I'm Interested in your take on this? I mean, a lot of my emotion comes from those Kings fans that were blasting the paces for the past season, saying that they won the trade convincingly. When that is just, just utter trollop. But I mean, I, I just can't ever see a team where Sabonis is the second best player getting any further than. Round two, maybe the the token conference finals position. Like it's it's certainly like you compare it to to the greatest eras of the Pacers making conference finals and finals. And Domas, you know, you would prefer David West over Domas Sabonis. He he was more reliable defensively and put up you know twenty and ten uh, on his best day. Uh, you'd prefer Jermaine O'Neal to Domas Sabonis. Um, and then you'd prefer, you know, that '90s front line to Sabonis as well. That just, just you know, the the old American mentality of the lunch pail, like they just got boards, defended, and and let the the stars do their thing. And and Sabonis isn't a star. Uh, he's he's a all star, but he's not a playoff winning superstar.
2: I think the issue is probably more league wide as well. Because you look at the last dominant, like the first team who had a first option big man was probably the Mavericks, right, in 2011 with Dirk, and he was not even your conventional big because he was yeah. a stretch 10 four. years ago. Right, even more than 10 years ago. Yeah. It. Yeah, so that to me is kind of the issue. I mean, even Embiid hasn't had any kind of playoff success with better teams, and he's the most dominant offensive big man next to Jokic, who might have some success this year, but yep. – I think that's kind of the way the league's going, and it's why you're seeing teams so obsessed with these 6'8", six, 6'9", six, wing types who are versatile, that can defend multiple positions. And I think, to me, the the most interesting thing will be, what do the Kings do this offseason? Because A, Harrison Barnes cannot be played in any Game 7 ever. He might be the worst Game 7 performer in history. He's awesome. <laughs> and he's an unrestricted free agent, right so they have to figure out what to do with the wing and I'll lead this into our next topic boys every team that needs a wing is going to be linked to an to a particular <laughs> free agent this oh, this summer and okay. uh, <laughs> I'll get your take on it boys Adam firstly, how much do you want Dylan Brooks in Indiana?
1: I would <laughs> rather us pay Gordon Haywood forty five million dollars next season than pay debt. Dylan Brooks $1 <laughs> next season. If he offered to play for the Pacers for free, I would still say no to Dylan Brooks. This is the worst idea I've ever heard. And there's a several reasons why it's the worst idea I've ever heard. Number one, we have a young, impressionable team that's about to add another lottery pick. And that's the guy you want showing your players how to play? How did that end up in Memphis? There was a red dot incident this season. Need I not remind you? We don't want that energy around this ball club, particularly when Tyrese Halliburton is arguably the most professional all-star in the entire NBA, the most down-to-earth professional you know, straight-laced player going around and then you inject Dylan Brooks into the situation and that is just an awful, awful idea. I don't care how many points he scores. He shoots a terrible percentage as well. He's not a great player offensively and we need better than that. We saw what he did against the Lakers. All he did was antagonize one of the greatest players of all time and they lost after finishing, what, second this season in the West. It that it, it was a diabolical series for Memphis and season overall. And Brooks and Jar and that behavior was symptomatic of the wider problem, which is that they need maturity. And the guess what the Pacers need? Maturity around Benedict Matherin, around their new draftee, around Tyrese. You know, James Johnson would have Dylan Brooks in a headlock within five minutes <laughs> of entering the practice facility. And hopefully he would just throw him directly out the door Justin, am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong.
0: No, you're you're right. I've I've seen some Pacer fans talk about how it would be a great idea, and we could get him on the cheap. And no, nah, I'm the same as you. If he offered to pay for the play for the Pacers for free, I'd I'd still be against it. I, you know, you talk about the maturity and, and things like that, and you might go, well, you know, why do all you three love Lance? But it, it's just a different type of persona. And Lance is good at basketball. Like <laughs> I, I just wow. I, I don't like honestly, this might be going too far because I've said about Ben Simmons and I kind of still believe it in a sense, but it wouldn't surprise me if Dylan Brooks is out of the league in a year or so. Like I just feel that strongly about how poor of a player he is. He's a shot jacker. He killed Memphis offense. Anytime he, you know, he just takes the worst shots. Um, you know, Alex, you mentioned there's odds up of him. Go, like who is he going to play for next? I saw Miami Heat as a, as the favorite. Um,
1: sure, go for it. They've got more yeah. adults to to try and deal with his crap. I mean, he wouldn't get a spot on the Tasmania Jack Jumpers at this point because he's a bad cultural fit, and uh, it's it's not happening for Dylan Brooks. It, it, he needs to go somewhere with a bunch of adults that can tell him to shut up when he needs to shut up, and can pull him into line. And you know, Heat culture, that sort of meme worthy stuff they spill. Perfect in my view.
2: Yeah.
0: Alex, what are you surely three for three? You're you're on board with us or no?
2: No, I love him, boys. Get him on the team. <laughs> no. no. no I, I would love to play devil's advocate here, but I can't. I mean, you kind of alluded to it there, Justin. He's a guy who he shoots like Buddy Healed, but like he has the mindset of Buddy Healed, but yeah. not the ability. If He's that got makes my sense. ability. <laughs> He's got the shooting skills of us three combined. So, yeah. I oh, actually I shouldn't say that because Justin can actually shoot better. But yeah, he yeah, yep. he's uh he, he will not be stepping foot in the fieldhouse unless it's for another team.
1: He spent a summer with you, Justin, and maybe sort of come out the other side a, a better <laughs> human and you know be able to make some long range shots.
0: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be his personal trainer for a million dollars if he wants.
1: <laughs> uh, um, maybe he and Buddy can get together. Buddy can teach him how to shoot. He can teach Buddy how to defend. And then like out the other side, maybe that's a that's a deadly combination. Uh um, well
0: I just think before we move on, Adam, and I'll try not swear in this little segment, but <laughs> the I said crap, it's okay. Like I was gonna say worse than that. Yeah, but yeah. the the weakness of coming out in the media and calling out LeBron, which he said, and then yep. then ducking after every game you perform like that's weak. And I feel like, you know, some people might do the comparisons with Lance and, you know, Lance was an an antagonizer of LeBron. But Lance always, you know, came out and spoke to the media and answered questions and that's what people want to see. At least fans go, you know what, you know, he's getting owned, but at least he's owning it. Dylan Brooks just skipped out in the media and that's what I think NBA fans are like. You are a like soft little boy.
1: There's two words that spring to mind. One is Humility. He showed absolutely no humility, whereas Lance has shown humility throughout. I mean, he's gracious in defeat, even though he competes, you know, while the game's going on, he's always been extremely gracious and pride. Lance has a great deal of pride in his performance and, you know, he owns it and he tried to get better throughout his whole career and, you know, he owned what he did on the court and, you know... I didn't see the same from Dylan Brooks whatsoever. I would take a million Lance Stephensons before I considered taking one Dylan Brooks. And the paces, I think Kevin Pritchett, thankfully, Kevin Pritchett and Rick Carlisle have been around this league for decades and they are intelligent enough to know that this guy belongs nowhere near this ball club. Absolutely nowhere near it. Um, unless... He, you know, goes on a three-month wellness retreat to Thailand or something, and comes back a different man, and you know, finds religion. I, I don't, I, just can't see this going any way other than he's going to have to tail between his legs, go to a team that with many established veterans and many strong personalities like the Suns, like Miami, that are just going to pull him into line and say, you can't do that around here. Our culture is different. You need to fall into line with our culture. You don't get to set our culture. And he set Memphis's culture over the last couple of seasons. And it's no, you know, it's no um, coincidence that Stephen Adams was missing time, and all of this kind of came crashing down. Because I feel like Stephen Adams is the type of person that would tell him to calm down, um, if required. I mean, there's a guy that later in his career off the bench, I'd love to see in Indiana because he was able to kind of temper all of that noise in the Memphis locker room this year Alex and you know it seemed like he was kind of the glue holding the whole thing together.
2: Yeah, they got a bit unlucky in general with with injuries this year and Stephen Adams was a big part of that. But I think that I mean what what does it say to other teams though this is my biggest takeaway if the team who employed you over the last 4 or 5 years is saying we don't care if you will take the biggest pay cut in NBA history. We still yep. don't want you back. What does that say about you, not just as a basketball player, but as a character in the locker room Yeah. to to the other 29 teams in the NBA? So that that's my rounding, I guess, thoughts on, on the Dylan Brooks situation.
1: I've heard a lot of podcasts describe it as a bad business decision to come out and say that he's he's no longer allowed in the ball club and and you know that they should have tried to posture a little bit more. Ah, better, but yeah, better. I, I disagree completely. I think this was the tone you had to set to say our culture changes this summer and we are coming back a more mature, considered driven ball club that is you know, going to make a run at the title with a, two key building blocks: one of the more dynamic offensive players in the league, and one of the best defensive players in the league. They're your cornerstones, so they're going to have a big, big offseason. Memphis, they have to add a significant piece. They need that that third or fourth guy um, to replace Brooks, and you know they'll be in the market for some of the same guys that we are because they need forwards as well and wings like we do. So. Um, that small forward spot is, is currently up for grabs in Memphis. And, you know, you look at a guy like Gordon Haywood and you think to yourself, well, that, that is a good fit. That that actually is because you're a veteran, you can shoot, you know, you're a no-nonsense guy, you have the right, you know, you play the right way and you act the right way and you're a professional. And, and you know, Justin, that we're probably going to be competing with Memphis for some of these guys.
0: Yeah, it was going to be interesting. I think, obviously to put it in a positive spin for the Pacers would be, I think we've got a lot more assets or tradable assets. Yeah. More cap flexibility than Memphis, but would free agents prefer to go to Memphis? Cause you've probably got more of a realistic chance of being a contender in the next two, three years and playing alongside Moran. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting this NBA off season. Um, like obviously, Like you said, the draft lottery is two weeks away, Adam. So I don't know. We all we all we were thinking we're standing, put it pick seven or eight, or we we (laughs) thinking we might move down at all. Anyone got a magic ball? Anyone got the spring fields
1: yet? I can't see us moving down. I unless unless it's a you know borderline all star caliber player like everyone drink OG Ananobi. Um, I can't see us moving down at all. I can see us moving up. I can see us packaging our pick and buddy and other stuff to try and get into Dallas's spot or Portland's spot if they jump up significantly. Um, and and even, you know, you look at teams that are completely, looking to completely rebuild, like Houston, don't know where they're at. They, they you know, only just got a, a new coach as well. So they may want to get a couple of youngsters in and they may want a couple of different picks or they may want more veterans in the locker room to try and guide that. I mean, you never know. Houston might get the third pick and then try to get miles off us to get him back to Texas. You know, that, that's, that's a very realistic possible option to get more adults in their locker room. That's another team that struggles with immaturity, but just can't win games compared to Memphis. So I can't see us trading down because this is the last chance we have to try and get a a good kid in Alex, I, there's no other chance on the horizon for us. We're, we're going to be a playoff playing contender next season.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm Two years of the lottery, that's enough for me. Yep. I don't know how teams like – I don't know how fan bases of the Knicks do it every year or – Magic. You know, yeah, or, or even these teams who have done it for like the Kings. How long were they in the lottery for? I don't yep. know how you guys deal with the stress. Last year was worse because we had better odds. This year I'm like, all right, well – Let's be honest, the, the lottery odds probably not going to go our way. But yeah, I, I'm more than fine if this is one of our last seasons in the uh in the lotto standings. But it'll be interesting because like we're all in agreement. We're not going to bring five rookies in. So regardless of what they do with the top ten pick we have, the other picks, we might not take another rookie into the next season. So it will be super interesting to see the uh the way Kevin Pritchard goes because I've talked about this, but have we ever had this much ammo in one off season Never. to work with? We and, have and a lot.
1: I think you've got Brooklyn as a tra- willing trade partner as well. They've got guys like Cam Johnson and Cam Thomas that, you know, Cam Tam Thomas was scoring 40 points in a game and then getting DMPs. Uh, I mean, you, you can't tell me that uh, he's part of their future plans, given the inconsistency of his playing time. I mean, and you'd have to make the call, Justin, to say, well, you're not playing this guy anyway, so do you want two late first-round picks for him?
0: Yeah, 100%. I've, I feel like he'd he'd be a lethal weapon to bring off the bench. And that, that's going to come a lot with what we do with Buddy Heald. I feel like if you watch Kevin Pritchard's post-year press conference, he was alluding to if Buddy's happy with being that sick man, we'll bring him back. But if he wants to be a starter, then we might have to look elsewhere. So... And that might be one of the first conversations you have to have to see where this team goes moving forward. Because, yeah, I'm, I'd am i love for Buddy to stay as a sixth man. I think that's his ideal spot behind, behind Matherin. And then if, you know, someone were to get hurt, Buddy can just go into that starting lineup real quick and easy. But, yeah, I, I just feel like the pace of the fans' contingency on Twitter a bit, feel like we're an OG Ananobi away from like home court in the playoffs. And I just don't think we are. I think, yeah, I think there has to be bigger and better moves than that. Um, I'm pretty low on OG after the last season, watching him, whether he just was unhappy in Toronto and maybe a fresh scenery will, you know, do him good. But I just feel like we need to do a lot more than just an OG Ananobi trade and, and losing draft picks and Duarte and, Buddy Hield, I don't think that improves us that much.
1: So let me ask you, Justin, because Alex and I discussed it last game. If we ended up with pick two, then Mm. firstly, who is your preference for pick two? Um, And secondly, would you consider trading pick two for, I'm going to go with another Brooklyn guy, Mikhail Bridges?
0: Yeah, well, it was a very interesting chat. I did listen to you two talk about it. And uh, it's it's so hard because I'm torn of just pick... You know, pick the best available player no matter what. You know, yep. you can be burnt if you do not do that. And it, you know, teams have done that in the past where they've traded and you've gone, oh my god, like who cares? They should have just drafted that guy. Um, so I think you two were against drafting Scoot, which I totally right. understand.
2: I was for it. I was for it. You're, yeah, you're yeah,
1: Alex it. was yeah. for it. I was I was against it to start with, and then I read the gun stuff and then I was like, mm,
0: maybe I'm wrong. Here. <laughs> yeah, I'm wrong. I, I I think I would draft Scoot because I think he's going to be a star. Like he he looks so good to me, but yeah, then you've got that Halliburton positional thing. And then, yeah, what, what sort of offers would we get from number two? I don't know. Would that, would we get an All-Star for pick number two?
2: Jalen Brown?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, if, if the Celtics flame out against Philadelphia, then Jalen Brown is very much on the table. And I think, um, I think Bridges is definitely in play as well, and he was playing like an all star after he got traded. So, uh, and he just he solves a lot of our defensive woes um, if you if you stick him into the starting lineup. So, I I feel like if you did get the second pick, then you've got there are a lot of offers that could potentially be sent your way um, from teams that are in positions to start thinking about tearing it all down. you know, you you wouldn't. I we'd probably get offers of players like Bradley Beal, who I would want absolutely no part of. Um, I want no one from the Hawks whatsoever. I do not want Carl Anthony Towns anywhere close to this team. I, I think he, um, he's the anti Dylan Brooks in the worst possible way. Um, but yeah, I I think we'd have a lot of offers for the pick. Um, Alex, anyone that you think of that could be offered for the number two pick if we were so lucky?
2: Yeah, I think those are the main guys. But you have to wait, really, for the dominoes to start falling because every offseason now, right, like this star player wants out, this team's blowing it up. So I think that'll be the biggest factor because people didn't really know if the Jazz were going to trade Mitchell and Gobert. Like that was kind of a, uh, maybe, maybe not. They ended up trading Mitchell to the Cavs. So if that opportunity arises where the Celtics flame out or this other team flames out and they're trading guys, all of a sudden, that's when you jump on it. And the good thing is the draft doesn't happen till June. So, you know, you'll, you'll get to wait till that, uh, I guess the end of the playoffs to to actually make that decision. But obviously this is a pretty big hypothetical. The paces are probably not going to move up anyway. So it uh, doesn't really matter at the end of the day,
1: does it? it? Let me let me ask you about one guy who, if they lose in this series, is is definitely in play as a veteran um, culture setting type guy. Not necessarily the type of culture you want to set. He's probably too far towards the Dylan Brooks category, but at least he's got rings. Draymond. I mean, do you if if he's on the market for very little, uh, if you can sign him outright, or or he's on the market for Golden State need to stop paying 450 million dollars in salaries every year. Then do you entertain that? Do you, is that the type of guy that you come in that comes in and sets the culture of your organization. He played, you know, just a couple hours drive away in Michigan and you know he's he's familiar with that area, so Justin, I'm throwing it out there as an option. Is that something, is that the veteran presence that we could use to take us to a level whereby we can compete?
0: I feel like your thinking's right for sure. I, I just don't think Draymond's the sort of guy who would come yep. to Indiana. Um, you know, he seems like he's, he'd want that big market, play next to LeBron. I feel like that's what Draymond's next steps are. But yeah, that type of player, I definitely agree with. Also, we wouldn't want buddy hill to have a black iron practice uh, with james in there. but um yeah i feel like you know we don't know what's happening with james johnson or george hill the paces i feel like they're pretty set on having that veteran leadership as it did yep. work pretty well this year so i don't know who that next guy is really i mean it's hard to hard to know without obviously being an nba and seeing what people do behind the scenes and things like that but I think I mentioned it from my trip in Indiana, how just good of a leader Tyrese Halliburton is. And yeah. um, I know he's not a veteran in any sense, but when he's your main guy, I feel pretty confidently in this team moving forward that, you know, everyone's going to be under his tutelage. It's not like well, George had a question about leadership or depot near the end had a question about his leadership, the Brogdon and Sabonis thing. They just aren't leaders. They're not natural leaders. So we had issues there, but I feel like moving into Halliburton now, the paces are probably um, best position they've been in years in, in that sense.
1: Well, he wants to be a leader as well. I mean, Alex, you, we were talking before the episode about his um, his media appearances have increased a lot. He, he had that commentary on the Jordan Poole shot that went viral this week. I mean, he's he's putting himself out there. Is there a chance that that he ascends to the level of a Paul George uh, and we see Halliburton jerseys in footlockers here in Australia.
2: <laughs> um, geez, I don't know. We could have LeBron and they wouldn't stop Pace's jerseys in, in Australia, <laughs> I don't think. But it's, uh, it's funny because I was telling you guys, yeah, that clip went so viral. Obviously, it's a pretty funny video, but what does it have, like 3 million views or something like that? Yeah. And, and Halliburton, listen, all I'll say is that he hits those shots. So I think in his mind, he's right in saying he would shoot that now Jordan Paul and Halliburton are not the same level of players, so maybe that's where he went wrong. But yeah, it is interesting. What I'll ask you guys though is kind of on the same line of thinking. Do you think Halliburton will be like one of the next line of signature shoe guys?
1: I, is he signing with Lee Ning? Like uh, <laughs> I, I'm not. I, with with great respect to Tyrese, I, I mean i i I can't see him getting. If we go through, I'm I'm a, I love sneakers, so. I'm, I, I would love
2: Chris Paul got like a Jordan shoe didn't for he? half
1: an hour, but yeah, I mean, Chris Paul had many, many shoes with Nike. Um, Chris Paul also played for obviously new Orleans and then he went to LA, but I think he got his studio before that. I, I can't see Halliburton getting a signature shoe in the next year or two. Maybe if he, You know, is a perennial all star. Then he'll get one.
2: That's what I was. That's the line of thinking I was on. Like in four or five years.
1: Um, I I think he's a Nike guy now. I don't know how long he's signed to Nike, but I mean, he'd be the perfect guy to bring across to a Puma, to a Converse, to a, as I said, a Leaning, an Under Armour. As Curry starts to wrap up, like there are plenty of shoe companies that are probably wanting to get, uh, the signature of a young guy that can average twenty and ten, uh, and. The, the beauty of a guy like that is that kids see themselves in guards usually because they're they're not tall. Um they think I could be that because I'm not tall either. I'm um, not to say Tyrese Tyrus is short, but I mean Justin there's there's great um there's great lessons to be learned in Chris Paul and Steph Curry and their marketability.
0: Yeah. I I'd say there's probably about a six percent chance he'll get the uh <laughs> Nike deal and that's if we get Wemby. <laughs> and- <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because you know, you you match those two up, and Tyrese Halliburton's, you know, the budding superstar next
1: to. Don't get me up. excited, Justin. Don't yeah.
0: Me. Oh, dude, I'm still. Alex is giving it no hope. I'm still praying there's a chance. Like the NBA finally does us good, after years and years of not doing us good. We we get that number one pick.
1: But I'm telling you, if we get it, I'll be there. I've committed to it. I'm going. We
0: have to. There's a strong contingent of Pacers fans that
1: are, are. here. I hear. Yeah. Yep, I think uh, what we got about a week and a half until the draft lottery and our hearts will be in our mouths and then we'll end up with the ninth pick and we'll get on the podcast and complain about it. Uh, That's been the Paceroos for this week. We will see you again pre-draft lottery where we'll run through all the odds and all the possibilities as well as any teams that have been knocked out of the playoffs and any other players we can trade for. See you again next week.